Man, this morning I mentioned, so this morning, um, well, first service, 8.30, Johnette plays, so we just stick to strictly hymns. At the 10 and the 11.30, we did back-to-back in Christ Alone and When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. In Christ Alone was written in 2002, so it was 18 years old. When I Survey the Wondrous Cross was written 313 years and both songs are so powerful and such rich. I love When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. It's a song that probably doesn't get sung enough nowadays, but it gives you such a vivid picture. And was it Isaac Watts? Is he the one who wrote that? I think he, is it? I think he did. And I could be wrong. I'll have to look at that later. But the way he pins those words and basically he takes us to the cross and see from his hands, his feet, Sorrow and love full mingled down in that last verse. It's just an amazing song. And then in Christ alone is an amazing song. I'm thankful for those who can write songs to the Lord because I can't. I would love to be able, I'm, there's not a poetic bone in my body, I would love to be able to write songs. But I'm thankful for people who can and thankful that they could years ago and thankful that people can do it today. And... Um, I love the book of Amos, nine chapters. I love the fact, I love those verses that we just read there in chapter 7. I was no prophet. I wasn't a prophet's son. But I was a herdsman. And he was gathering fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock. And the Lord said unto me, Go prophesy unto my people, Israel. Who does God use? We often think it's the most talented or the ones from the best families or the ones with the best training. Maybe those who are gifted. And God can use all those people. But we talked about this morning, God can use anyone. And He's willing to use anyone. He'll use all people. I love that. But you see something about Amos here? He was willing to be used. God said, do this, and he answered God's call. Tonight, I think about a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Think about what Paul said there. He said, for ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty, And the base things of the world, and things that are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to not things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. That's how our God works. We look at Amos here, and I believe that this is our 30th book we've looked at so far as we've gone through. We're nearing the end of the Old Testament. What an awesome book, nine chapters. We always do the who, the what, the where, the where, the when, the why. We're going to do that, and then we'll get into some thoughts tonight. Who? Amos, of all people. You saw that. That's the title of it. A prophet that was not a prophet's son. He wasn't a prophet. He had no training. Hadn't been to no school. He wasn't in a family. He was simply a shepherd. Now, Normally, when you look at a shepherd, and do we have more people coming in? So, okay, that's all right there, or we can move them up over here. 
What? You can move. It's okay. We're good. So. That side room's a little full over there. If you get something called a virus, just make sure you don't tell them you were in church, okay? <laughs> Contact tracing. We don't... Do you know what I normally do? Before all this happened, every week, I keep track of every person that's here at whatever service they're here. It's in our database, what service you're here, when you're here, and all of that. Do you know what I've not done since we've been back together? I don't know who's here. I don't take roll. Because it wouldn't be the government's business anyways. But if I don't have it, how am I supposed to remember? And so... Anyways, and if you want a contract tracer in your life, you do whatever you want to do. But the less government involved in my life, the better. Amen. And I think, I think our founding fathers believed the same thing there. But anyways, just be careful. And if anybody, like I said, if you feel you're too close to someone else, please, there's a few seats here. You can take a chair and come sit up over here on the side. There's some room in the front row. So you staying where you're at, it's not my problem, okay? It's your own problem tonight. And don't be blaming me. And, uh, and no, we're not going to two Sunday night services. I did three morning service. If I do that, I might as well stay in church all day and never leave and just be here for forever. But uh, anyways, oh, and this being recorded. It's on YouTube, but they don't listen to anything I say. Any, well, they did one night, but hopefully they won't do that again. The word shepherd here is not the usual Hebrew word for shepherd suggests the fact that Amos was a sheep breeder. He was also a herdman or a cattleman. And interesting that God would use a man who raised cows to go and cut down the golden cow statues that the Jews were worshiping. He was also a fig tree farmer. And undoubtedly, he was a success at what he did. But God chose Amos. In Amos you will see many references to farm life. God uses us as He created us for His glory. Everyone has different strengths and knowledge. And we should take the strengths and knowledge that we have and use them for God's glory. God often calls surprising people to serve Him in a surprising way. And that's what I think of when I think of Amos. The who, Amos. The where. He lived in the southern kingdom. He was called to prophesy mainly to the northern kingdom. He lived in Tekoa. We mentioned that earlier, about 10 miles south of Jerusalem. When did he prophesy? He prophesied for about 50 years, between 790 and 740 B.C. And one of the first prophets to write. The Bible talks about in chapter number 1 when he was um, the different kings that were... He prophesied during uh, Jeroboam and Joash. He was a contemporary of Hosea and Isaiah and Micah. And interesting, that remember chapter 1, it told us he wrote it two years before the earthquake? Well, go with me to the book of Zechariah chapter 14. Zechariah chapter 14. Zechariah 14, and look down at verse number 5. 
it says, And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. Yea, ye shall flee like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. This is a pretty big earthquake that's mentioned twice in the Bible. You know, for me, the biggest earthquake I think I can remember, and uh, I remember a lot of shaking, would have been the first one is Northridge, probably for me. You know, there was a big one. Wasn't there a big one in San Francisco, like in 89? And uh, wasn't there one in, not, was it Whittier? Not Whittier. Long Beach, a big one over that way. And uh, just interesting to note that this earthquake was mentioned twice in the Bible. And so it was written two years before that earthquake took place. He prophesied, and he and Hosea preached to Israel at the same time. But Hosea and Amos were so different in their delivery. Hosea, you read through the book of Hosea, he speaks as a man with a broken heart of a scorned husband who had been betrayed. But Amos comes along with the roughness and toughness from the fields and got in their faces to tell them what God was trying to tell them. And I love, that's one of the things I love about the Lord too. God used different people because some people could relate better to Hosea, but then some people need the rough and tough Amos. And that's important. And I've been around, I've, I'm going on being a pastor for 10 years. I've been in church long enough. And sometimes there are pastors out there that, bless God, you should only listen to me because I'm your pastor. That's not how it's supposed to be. There are a lot of great people out there that you should listen to as well. If, if we get this thought in our head that you're only going to learn from Pastor Brian, there's a lot of things you're not going to learn from Pastor Brian that you could learn other, other places. Now, you've got to be careful that you don't listen to someone who's a heretic. And you want help with learning who a heretic is, you can talk to me and I'll help you out with that one. But it's a good thing. And that's the thing. I, listen, I have a lot of preachers I listen to. And some are nice in the delivery, and some are tough. And some days I need the tougher. Some days I need a little bit nicer. But God used two different men to speak to his people. And don't ever get thinking to yourself that no one's going to learn anything but from you. When we get that stuck in our heads, it's not the case. Because God doesn't need us. We need him. And there is so much we can learn from so many people. And God did it here with Amos. And so... We see the who, the where, the when. What is it? It's a book of prophecy, one of the minor prophets. Why was the book written? It was written about the judgment of the Lord coming upon Israel. We look, and I'm going to give you the outline now, and I think you got notes there to follow along. But the, if we were to break down the book and give it an outline, we see number one, we see the judgment on others. Chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse number 5, we see judgment on others. Let's read a couple of those verses. Look at verse number 2. And he said, The Lord will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the inhabitants of the shepherds shall mourn, and the top of Carmel shall wither. Thus saith the Lord, For three transgressions of Damascus, and for four I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they have threshed Gilead with threshing instruments of iron. But I will send a fire into the house of Hazel, which shall devour the places of Ben-Hadad. And then look at verse number 6. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza, and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they carried away captive 
the whole captivity to deliver them up to Edom. Look at verse number 9. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Tyrus, and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they delivered up the whole captivity to Edom, and remembered not the brotherly covenant. We see that, first of all, we see there was a judgment on others for what they had done to Israel. Damascus, Gaza, Tyre, Edom, Ammon, Moab. Lots of different places mentioned. We see the judgment, the judgment on others. From chapter 1 to chapter 2, verse number 5. Then we see from chapter 2, verse number 6, through chapter 16, the judgment turns on Israel. Judgment turns on Israel. There was even judgment on Judah. Chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. But then look at chapter 2, verse number 6. It says, Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they sold the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of shoes. That pant after the dust of the earth on the head of the poor and turned aside the way of the meek, and a man and his father will go in unto the same maid to profane my holy name. And we see that the Lord goes through and we see that three times as long Israel's judgment was going to be than the other judgments that were made. Why? Well, I'll give you some reasons here tonight. We're going to break it down a little bit further. We have judgment on Israel from chapter 2, verse 6 through chapter 16. But then you see from chapter 3 through chapter 6, you see three messages given by Amos. Three messages. That should be, is that your next thing there? Is Joe sleeping on me? Oh, you got the coming storm. That's, that's the first message. We see the three messages in chapter 3 through chapter 6. We see that a storm was coming. The coming storm. Look at chapter 3, verse number 8. The lion hath roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? Go down to verse number 11. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, an adversary there shall be even around about the land, and he shall bring down thy strength from thee, and thy places shall be spoiled. Thus saith the Lord, as a shepherd taketh out the piece, out, taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs, or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out of the dwelling in Samaria in the corner of a bed and Damascus in a couch. And look at verse number 14. That in the day that I shall visit the transgression of Israel upon him, I will also visit the altars of Bethel, and the horns of the altar shall be cut off and fall to the ground. And I will smite the winter house with the summer house, and the house of ivory shall perish, and the great houses shall have an end, saith the Lord. There was a storm coming. God had given much to Israel, so he expected much from them. There's a Bible principle there in a Bible verse. To whom much is given, much shall be required. That verse scares me just a little bit. So why does it scare you? 
Because I'll just count myself right now. God's been very good to me in my life. I've been in church since week two of being born. To whom much is given, much is required. There are a lot of Christians that don't know as much as I do. God had given much to the children of Israel. And he was expecting much. The three messages, the first one was about the coming storm. The next one was about their sin and their stubbornness. Chapter number 4, verse number 1 says, Hear this word, ye kin of Bashan, that are in the mountains of Samaria, which oppress the poor, which crush the needy, which say to their masters, Bring and let us drink. The Lord God has sworn by His holiness, and lo, I love, Amos just goes at it. He doesn't, he just lets loose. Thus saith the Lord has sworn by his holiness, and lo, the day shall come upon you, that he will take you away with hooks and your prosperity with fish hooks. And ye shall go out of the breeches every, breaches every cow at which is before her. And ye shall cast them into the palace, saith the Lord. Come to Bethel and transgress. At Gilgal, multiply transgression and bring your sacrifice every morning, your tithes after three years, and offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven and proclaim and publish the free offering. For this likeneth you, O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord God. And I will also give you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and want of bread in your places. Yet ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord." We see their sin. We see the fact that they were still sacrificing in the midst of all that sin. And God's like, I don't want that sacrifice. That worship of God. We see their stubbornness. Look at verse number 7. And also I have withholden the rain from you. When there was yet three months to the harvest, and I caused it to rain upon one city, and caused it not to rain upon another. So you kind of know some judgment's coming from God when there's no rain, but then a city gets rain and your city doesn't get rain and there's clouds real close and all that good stuff. And verse number 8, So two or three cities wandered unto one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied, yet ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have smitten you with the blastings and mildew, when your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased, the palmer worm devoureth them, yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. Your young men have I slain with the sword and have taken away your horses. And I have made the stink of your camps to come up unto your nostrils. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. And you just see their stubbornness. The Lord sent these things and they didn't wake up. And you know, sometimes we look, man, how could they not wake up and just get it? And then sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, man, why can't I just get it sometimes? We are stubborn at times. And God sent these things, but they stayed in their sin. We see their stubbornness here. And that was the second message that Amos was giving to the children of Israel. We see the third thing was their, the third message was their seeking and slothfulness. Go to chapter number five. Hear ye this word that I take up against you, even a lamentation, O house of Israel. 
The virgin of Israel is fallen. She hath no more arise. She is forsaken upon her land. There is none to raise her up. For thus saith the Lord God, the city that went out by a thousand shall leave by a hundred. And that which went out by a hundred shall leave ten to the house of Israel. For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me, and ye shall live. But seek not Bethel, nor enter into Gilgal, and pass not to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to naught. Seek the Lord, and ye shall live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph and devour it, and there be none to quench it in Bethel. Keep on reading there. It says, Ye who turn judgment to wormwood and leave off righteousness in the earth, seek him that maketh the seven stars in Orion, and turneth the shadow of death into the morning, and maketh the day dark with night, that calleth from for the waters of the sea and poureth them out upon the face of the earth the lord is his name hey the children of israel seek me i'm the one who created the stars i'm the one who's done all these things seek me don't be looking after this other city don't be after what they're after or what they're seeking seek me the message was clear seek god and then we keep on reading. We go down to verse number 14 of chapter 5. Seek good and not evil, that ye may live. And so the Lord, the Lord of hosts, shall be with you as ye have spoken. Hate the evil and love the good and establish judgment in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious unto the remnant of Joseph. Therefore the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord saith thus, Wailing shall be in the streets, and they shall say in the highways, Alas, alas, and they shall cry. Then shall the husbandmen to mourning, and such are skillful of lamentation to wailing. God wanted His people to seek Him. But you've got to understand something. If it was so easy to seek God, everybody would do it. If it was easy to pray, everybody would pray. It's work. He told them, seek me. But they weren't willing to do it. They were slothful. God tells them in verse 21, I hate, I despise your feast days and will not smell in your solemn assemblies. God said, Israel, your worship of me is wrong. I hate your worship. That's very powerful to read. Chapter number 6, verse number 1, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion, and trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations, to whom the house of Israel came. Pass ye unto Calne, and see, and from thence, Go ye to Hamath the great, then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Be they better than, the, than these kingdoms? Or their borders greater than your borders? Look at verse number 3 there. It says, Ye have put far away the evil day and caused the seed of violence to come near. That lie upon beds of ivories and stretch themselves upon their couches and eat the lambs out of the flock and the calves out of the midst of the stalls that chanted the sound of the vial 
and invent to themselves instruments of music like David that drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the chief ointments, but they have not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. God doesn't like it when we don't give him the worship that he deserves. God doesn't like it when the children of Israel got fat and sassy in their blessing. May that be a good reminder for us today. We sing songs like, God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her. And for the length that our country's been around, God has been very good to us. But tell me one good reason why God should continue to be good to us. There's not one. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. America's God is not the God of heaven. America's God is money and self. That's how it is today. Why should God bless that? Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I don't think the United States of America stands up for righteousness today. I think sin. Why should God bless us or continue to bless us? How long has it been since we actually won a war that we went to? Think about that one. I don't think God's blessings upon us anymore. And it shouldn't be. We haven't given God a reason to bless us. It's an interesting fact that you don't see America mentioned in the end times at all. Some people say it's because America will be destroyed and it's the Babylon there. That's not it. There's so many people get so off on all those things. I think America will be of no significance at that time. America is a significance in the world today. But when we get high on the hog and get away from God, why is God going to bless that? What Israel did was they got fat and sassy in their blessing. They, saw, they stopped seeking after him. They stopped worshiping God as he deserved. And they acted as if they did not need him. And if you could describe America in a paragraph, I think I just did. And why can't we learn from past men's mistakes on things not to do? That's what history is there for. But the worst part about history is that people fail to learn from past men's mistakes. We see the three messages, the coming storm, their sin and stubbornness, their seeking and their slothfulness. Number four, we see five visions that God gives to Amos. It's from chapter 7 through chapter 9, verse number 10. In those five visions, Amos gives the vision of locusts coming to destroy them. It talks about a fire coming, a plumb line or God's standard, a basket of fruit, and the Lord at the altar. 
Those are the five visions that take place in that space. In the middle of these visions, there's an interesting little side note that shows you the fearless preacher that Hosea was. Go to chapter 7. And we read a couple of those verses a few minutes ago, but I want to read a few more. Look at chapter 7, verse number 10. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos hath conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive out of their own land. Also Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, go, flee thee away into the land of Judah, and there shall be bread. And ye shall eat bread and prophesy there. But prophesy not again any more at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel and is in the king's court. Then answered Amos and said unto Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flocks, and the Lord said unto me, Go, prophesy unto my people Israel. Now therefore hear thou the word of the Lord. Thou sayest, prophesy not against Israel, and drop not thy word against the house of Isaac. Therefore thus saith the Lord, thy wife shall be an harlot in the city, and thy sons and thy daughters shall fall by the sword, and thy land shall be divided by line, and thou shalt die in a polluted land, and Israel shall surely surely go into captivity of his land. And then chapter 8. Verse number 11. Behold, the day comes, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east, and they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. I love the fact that he was willing to stand up and just preach the word of God. He was told not to. And I love he said, thus saith the Lord. And he just continued on. We see the five visions in number five. And I love this. See this all throughout the minor prophets. You hear a lot about judgment, but then at the end of the book, you see the restoration after judgment. Look at chapter number nine. And look at verse number 11. The Bible says, In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen, and close up the, bre- the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom, and all the heathen which are called by my name, saith the Lord that doeth this. Behold, the day comes, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes, him that soweth seed, and the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. And I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit, inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof, and they shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them. And I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled out of their land which I will give, which I've given them saith the Lord thy God. Go to Acts chapter 15 real quick. Acts chapter 15. 
James quotes Amos. Oh, it's on the screen too. That works too. Verse 13 and 14. I'll just turn there because I'm going to read a few more verses. Acts 15, Acts 15, verse 13 through 18. The Bible says, And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simon hath declared how God at first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agreed the words of the prophets, as is written, And after this I will return, and I will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. James was talking about Amos. And another, another reminder for us that God intended something you got to, as you look at and as you study it, it is good for a Christian to know Old Testament and New Testament. We see that that plays out before our eyes here. And God never leaves his people without hope. Even in the midst of judgment and consequences, God brings hope. Amos reminds us that God uses people of all sorts of different backgrounds, personalities, pedigrees. And it's a reminder that God wants his people to live for him in obedience and consecration, fully committed. It's a reminder that a nation that takes the preaching of God's word lightly will soon face the wrath of God. And it's also a reminder that we should be serious about fulfilling God's plans for our lives and living in obedience to his commands for us. And that's just a little bit about the book of Amos. You can play the video for us.